We're going to soon start talking about a, a new series that's going to be called uh, The Kingdom of God and Understanding the Kingdom of God. Um, when I was in Australia, I was, uh, had the opportunity to share at a church, didn't plan on sharing at a church. Uh, there was a pastor who had visited here a year ago when I was visiting my wife, excuse me, when I was visiting uh, my wife's family just a, a few weeks ago, uh, found out that that pastor was just very close to where uh, Ruth's sister lives, and he's invited us to come and join him. And so on Mother's Day, uh, I shared a message. And um, there's something that kind of came out of just the overflow of my life um, that, that I just started to share in the beginning of that message that really was resonating with me. Have you ever uh, preached or talked to someone about God and you start challenging yourself? Like the Holy Spirit's challenging you? And, uh, and I just found this, this, this word so challenging and I just felt like this is something that the Lord wants to take us into, and, and I titled this, this message, Getting Into Position, because it's important that we are in position for God to use us in the way that he wants to use us, and I believe that he's preparing us and prepping us for the advancing of his kingdom in the city of Albuquerque, but we actually need to be in position for us to receive his orders and, and be able to act on, on what he wants us to do. And um, as long as we keep treating, as long as we, me included, if we keep treating Jesus as a supplement and not our savior, we'll never really see transformation. He's never been made to be taken as a supplement. And so many times we find ourselves oftentimes in this position where we live our life and we add Jesus to it. And it never was supposed to be intended that way. It's actually, we're, we're dead to ourselves. We've, we've, we, we, we need to give our own life up and receive the life that he, he's given us. You know, and oftentimes in counseling sessions, even with my own friends and, and even in my own life, sometimes I find myself complaining or being upset or, or talking about how I was offended or talking about how, how this person was offended. And I, and I find that the majority of the reason why we're doing this is because we've made Jesus our supplement. It's like we haven't died to ourselves yet. Like our whole life is, is centered around us and how the world affects us. It's kind of like taking us back into the times where we thought the sun rotated around us, the earth, right? Because that was our perspective. That is our perspective. We see the sun come up and go down around us, around the earth. And so we just assumed, you know, the old school science that the sun was, uh, we were the center, the earth was the center, and the sun rotated around it until we gained a larger perspective, until we realized, oh no, <laughs> we had it all wrong. We actually rotate around the sun. And there's going to be this transformation of your mind where at some point you realize, sometimes I still go back to it, but at some point we realize that no longer is the world or life rotating around us, but we are actually rotating around the sun. We are made for him. And so his life is, our life is his life. You guys are so quiet. You, you okay? Yeah, there we go. Woo, there we go. I want to share with you a dream that I had many years ago before I ever thought I'd ever be in ministry. And uh, I just also want to say that the pinnacle of life, the success of, of life is not to be in the ministry. I used to think that. I used to be at church, growing up in church, and, and, and you know, it was like, well, if, if you're really godly, you'll be a, a pastor. And, uh, and of course, I realized that that was just a myth. It's like, if you're really godly, your whole life will be his. And whatever you do, you'll do for him. And uh, so, so it, you know, 
that's that. But um, I, I, was, I was working in the marketplace. I was working for Verizon Communications for corporate Verizon. And I had a, a, a very good job, but I was going through a really tragedy in my life and uh, it was a horrible circumstance. And I don't want to get into all that, but uh, I was just at a really low point in my life. And Jesus radically saved me. I was in a bar Thanksgiving night all by myself. And God sends an angel, basically, somebody to, I, I say my, uh, my angel, but, but uh, just, just, I don't know, just a person and who spoke into my life. And I, I just rededicated my life to Jesus, gave, gave him everything. And, uh, and so now I'm still working at Verizon. All my vacation time, uh, I just dedicated to God. So I just said, whatever, I was going on short-term mission trips. I had five weeks vacation because I'd built up some tenure with Verizon. So I would go and just any missions trips that were happening, I just loved doing it. It was like, get, have you ever been on a short-term mission trip? You know, you find out, you, at first you think, I'm gonna help all these people. And then you realize, oh no, there's a lot of things God's fixing in me. Right, and so you you become back more changed than you probably ever changed anybody, you know. In, in some ways, that's how I found it. But but I just wanted to dedicate. So I I had no plans of going into ministry or nothing like that. But I was just doing missions and serving in my church at that time. And uh, I had a dream. I I, uh, I I don't have many dreams that are so vivid. Um, some, have you ever had like a, a vivid dream? Like you thought it was so real, like you had to check when you woke up, like, did that really happen? Am I, you know, and, uh, and, and sometimes it's just, you know, you had bad pizza the night before and, and, and sometimes I believe God can speak to you in a dream. I think he can speak to you anyway. Now he's never gonna speak to you that's gonna go against his word, right? This, we will never go past this. His word is sacred. His word is uh, inspired. It's, it's, it's inerrant. We love his word. Um, his word is awesome. And just like we have a relationship with the Lord, oftentimes the Lord can speak to you, can speak into your life. And as long as it aligns with the character of God, as long as the spiritual accountability around you, you know, tests it and says, yeah, I think that's the Lord, then you can trust that it's the Lord. And, um, and so I, I had this dream, and I had this dream that... I, I never had it before uh, that I'm in church. I'm in like a lobby in the church, like our church. And, and of course it's a dream, okay? So just bear with me. And this massive like house lands from the sky into the lobby. Of course, this can't really happen, but of course it, it's just a dream. And, and I'm in the lobby with a bunch of people and the house is all broken. It's kind of, the house is broken with the foundation of the lobby, the shingles of the house from the East Coast. We have shingles, you know, the, the, the shutters, excuse me, the shutters that you would like close in a storm. So the shutters in the house were off um, and there was cracks in the windows and stuff. And I remember uh, going over to it and, and putting my hands on the foundation and it got healed. The foundation healed in the house, in the church. And, and I looked at the people behind me and I said, there's healing in this house. And I said, let's pray for the house. And so we pray for the house and, and the shutter goes back and the windows get fixed and everything happens. And I was like, man, I wake up from that dream like, man, that was weird. And, uh, and so I, I asked my brother, I said, you know, um, uh, what, is, what does this all mean? You know, do, you know talking to him, he's, he's like a spiritual older brother as well as a natural older brother. And... Um, and he, you know, he was praying about it and, and with his, his friends and he, and he had this amazing thing. And I had forgotten about this dream for years. And then I was, 
all my email and it came back up and I just thought, this is what God has put in me since back over 10 years ago, 15 years ago, was that, we, that the, the, the restoration of the temple and the table is gonna be back together again, where, where we're not just gonna come together and gather on Sundays, but we're also gonna be gathering in homes, that God is not just moving in the church, but he's gonna be moving in, this, in the houses of Albuquerque, and that there's healing that can happen. And, um, and I just believe that God is going to move in our city, and I believe that he's gonna use all the churches of Albuquerque, not just one church, not just one denomination, not just certain pastors, any pastor who's willing to just follow where he leads, I believe that God is going to use them, that the world is longing for what Jesus, who Jesus is, and we have the answer. And so um, I'm just really focused on that, and I, I, I want Jesus to flow through the whole city. And so we need to get into position. And, and what that position often looks like is, is being selfless in who we are and following him. Uh, let's go to Proverbs 4, 23, 27. It says, above all else, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. There's this, there's this principle I believe that we need to do is guard our hearts from the offenses that might be happening as we encounter, as we in, in, encounter the world out there, as we advance God's kingdom. We want our uh, offenses to be um, away, to, we want our hearts to be unoffendable. And so it says, ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. And so I, I, I want us to stop and, and think about our lives. I, I, I would go, um, oftentimes I'll get into this rhythm where I'm so focused on what's happening around me that I actually uh, start to to think about my life and how everything's encroaching on my life and how um, this is really inconvenient for my life and, and, and I start to get grumpy. Have you ever gotten grumpy before? Where you're, you're like, man, all these things I have to do, all these things are, are popping up in my heart and, 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 and I'm like, you know, getting angry or, you know, man, if you, if you wanna get on, if you wanna get angry, just stay on social media, right? You just like, you know, I never feel, I never get off social media and be like, oh, that was a great experience, you know? I'm like, like, but I get back anyway. So I'm like, you know, I, 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 I find that, that when, my, when my focus is actually on how the world is happening around me, then I actually, my, my emotions, my heart becomes offendable. I, be, I start living in this dead man's life that had died when I was baptized in Christ. I'm like, I'm trying to resurrect a dead man that should stay dead. But when I focus on Jesus and the joy set before me, it actually, the, 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 the happiness of my life is not about the obstacles that are in front of me. It's actually, I'm the happiest when my focus is on Jesus. And the joys 
of living for him are overflowing in my life. And it's like, I, I can't be offendable. I can't get angry. It's like, I can't be angry because I already have all this love and joy in me because of who he is, not because of who I am. It's like the freest way you can live. And sometimes I find, I, you know, every once in a while when I clean, um, you know, I, you're using, you know, you have a sponge, right? Like if you ever used a sponge before, uh, you know, I, I have once or twice and, and uh, cleaning your car or whatever. And, and, you know, sometimes a heart can be like a sponge. Like, you know, we're picking up all this dirt and, and sometimes we allow offenses to get in. And sometimes we allow uh, uh, our own rights, you know, our own, our own, you know, picking up that old dead man again. And it's like that sponge becomes dirty. And, and, I, and I find that, it's like when you repent, it's like when you turn your heart back to Jesus and you confess your sins and you repent, it's like rinsing that sponge. And when you invite the Holy Spirit, it's like, it's like everything is becoming new again. And sometimes when my heart gets into that position, I want to get low and just say, Jesus, I want to humble myself. Forgive me for all the offenses that I've taken on. You know, if you think about it, Jesus should be the number one offend, you know, offended person. Right? I mean, think about it. If Jesus was allowed to get offended, if anyone was, he would be. Like, I raised someone from the dead and they want to crucify me. I, everyone I encountered, I healed. You know, I, 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 I spoke truth in love. You know, it's like, but they wanted to crucify me. It's like, he could have easily said like, that's it, God. I mean, <laughs> tell the father, these people don't deserve it. They're idiots. If anyone had a right to be offended, it was Jesus. But because he's perfect love, because he came as perfect love. He, he didn't like force himself to stay on that cross. Because when you are perfect love, you want to stay on that cross. And what does Jesus say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. When you're moving in the perfect love of Christ, it's hard to have an offendable heart. Because you're not thinking about yourself. Someone comes against you, you feel your love and compassion for them. It's like everything is upside down in the kingdom of God. It really is. It's, it's so radical. It confounds the wise, right? It, it's so radical. It's like the last shall be first and the first shall be last. The greatest in the kingdom is the servant, right? It's upside down. It's backwards. It's like, you, you come against me, I turn the other cheek. You try to offend me, I see God's grace in you. This is, what, this is the dynamic of following in the spirit. I look at um, two disciples. In my opinion, one made Jesus his savior, the other made him as his supplement. When you look at the lives of Peter and Judas, if you compare them. Before, remember, I compared Peter and John a few weeks back, and I said, you know, the difference of Peter and John, Peter um, always wanted to prove how much he loved God, but John, the beloved, always knew how much God loved him, how much Jesus loved him, and what lasts on the cross? Who's at the cross? 
John. Why? Because when you know how much you're loved, right? First John, we love him because he first loved us. John knew how much God loved him. He knew how much Christ loved him. So that, that, that committed him to even being with him at the cross. Peter tried to use his earthly conditional love, saying, oh, how much he loves Jesus. But when it came to being at the cross, Peter was the one who denied Jesus. But here's the redemption difference between Peter and Jesus. We know that Peter and Judas uh, in Mark, Luke, uh, excuse me, in Luke 10, Mark 6, they went out uh, with the disciples two by two, driving out demons, doing signs and wonders that, G- that Jesus commanded them to do. And so that happened in all the disciples. They all come back with with good reports. Uh, so we know that God used Peter and Judas, um, but we also know that both struggled with sin. We know that Peter struggled with maybe a bit of pride. Uh, we know that Judas struggled with greed. As John advises, he stole from the treasury that he was in charge of. Um, his disappointment, John, uh, Judas's disappointment, uh, led him to allow sin or greed, which opened up the door for his heart to betray Jesus. Let's look at Matthew 26, 14 to 22. It says this, then one of the 12, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. Now, on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he reclined at the table with the 12. And as they were eating, he said, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him, uh, one, one after another, is it I, Lord? So let's read that again. And they were very sorrowful and began to say one after another, is it I, Lord? And then let's jump down to verse 25. And Judas, who would betray him, answered, is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, you have said so. Jesus said, you have said so. Now here's the crazy nuance that oftentimes we pass over. Every disciple said, is it I, Lord? Except Judas, he said, is it I, teacher? If Jesus just remains your teacher, but not your savior, you're stripping him of his greater title. As compared to the disciples' response, who instead of calling him teacher, called him Lord. And see, in his heart, he did not see Jesus for who he was, his Lord. See, Jesus always recognized, Peter always recognized Jesus as his Lord and as later his Messiah. And so that's why there was the possibility for redemption in Peter's life where Jesus said, no, Peter, I'm going after you. Peter found repentance in the Lord and Savior. And Judas is empty because there's no salvation in just a teacher. So are we living our lives in a way that we're just supplementing the teachings of Jesus without really making him the Lord of our life? Let's look at Romans 6. 
And guys, I don't know. I like I I usually come up here and I'm like charged up and I have this, but I've just been such a heavy heart this morning. So I've been praying through it. But let's look at Romans six uh, verses two to seven. It says, "By no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in Christ, Jesus, were baptized into His death." We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. And now let's jump down to, um, uh, would I have it here? Is there a verse 11? Yes. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. What is, what is the Apostle Paul saying? He's talking about finally letting your old man die and living in the newness of Jesus Christ, where his life becomes your life now. See, when, do, when God doesn't follow your plan, we need to reorient to his plan. See, instead of trying to bless, instead of trying to make God bless what we're doing, we want to try to bless what God is doing. It's so much easier. Instead of saying, God, this is my plan, I need you to bless it. We should all submit ourselves and say, God, what is your plan? Because we want to bless it. We want to follow it. We want to say yes and amen, and we want to pursue it. We need to reorient our, our lives and not be geocentric. What am I saying? Don't walk as if the world is revolving around you. Walk as though you're revolving around what Christ is doing. So when you walk and someone cuts you off in traffic, The dead man in your, in your life wants to go, you have no right, don't you know how to drive? Da, 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 da. But instead you go, God bless him. God, I hope he never has an accident. God, I, 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 if, he's a, if he's in a rush, Lord, would you just protect him, keep him safe? See, what overflows out of your life with an unoffendable heart is love. Because Jesus is the center of your life. And that's who you're pursuing. Look, if, if you just took supplements, some people are like anti-supplement, some people are pro-supplement, but I'm going to use the example. If you just took supplements, the best supplements out there, and only ate junk, your life will not change. I don't care what kind of supplement it is. It will not change. But when your whole diet, now everyone has an opinion what the best diet is, so I'm not even going to go there. It's not vegan, though. I'm just going to say it. No, I'm just kidding. I have no idea. I'm not, I, it was so hard to not do that, but vegans, we love you. We accept you. Je Jesus died for vegans, too, okay? We love you. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. <laughs> 
okay? Don't send me an email, please. <laughs> send it to andy at newlifecity.org. He takes all those emails now. Um, but, but change our thinking, okay? Look, living off this word once a month is not going to supplement, it's not going to change your life. It's not. Communicating with Jesus just when you need him is not treating him as your savior. It's treating him as your supplement. Look, I've told this story. I'll tell it again because I'm, I'm, I'm humble. I'll tell it. I'll tell it again. I was born and raised in Philadelphia. My, my, my father and mother, they loved cooking. They didn't teach me how to cook. I'm the youngest of four. They just put me in the side. I just received. I didn't give that in that area. I just received. They're great. They loved, they loved cooking Italian meatballs. I mean, we're talking about, they call them jugunda meatball. I mean, they weren't like these little wedding ball, you know, wedding suit meatballs. These were like big meatballs. And they, and they were just so popular in our community that uh, uh, people would ask him to, to make them, like hundreds of them, for weddings and funerals and, you know, parties and stuff like that. So my parents are constantly, you know, in their kitchen cooking and and, um, and I moved to the, uh, I, I, we moved to the suburbs of Philly when I was in uh, middle school and I, I, I went to middle school, I got new friends and, um, and after a couple weeks of knowing these guys, they were, felt comfortable enough and, and they pulled me aside, uh, one kid, Tommy Frazier, pulls me aside, he said, hey Paul, uh, do your parents own like a, a sub shop, a meatball shop, you know, a hoagie shop, you know, something like that? I said, no, why? He said, because you always smell like meatballs. I said, I do? And I go home and smell my clothes. I'm like, I do smell like meatballs. And, and I say like, I say like to this day, Italians wear a lot of cologne, not because they're arrogant, so they're always trying to cover up the meatball smell. I mean, that's, that's the reality. It's true. I'm not lying. That's true. But why do I give that example? Because when people talk about that and they say, Paul, I pray for Jesus, for peace when I need it, it never comes. I, you know, this isn't happening. And I'm like, well, it's because you can't treat Jesus as a drive-through window where you order him when you need him. You need to take residence in the kitchen so that when you leave, he's still on you. Like, his, his, his smell's more overpowering than all other smells. As a lack of a better example. I mean... We need to stop thinking like thermometers, right? Where we go into atmospheres, we go into areas and we're like, oh, God's not here. This place is evil. Uh, uh, Albuquerque is a bad place. We're going to abandon that place because we know that, that we can gauge temperatures, right? That's not a Christian life. A Christian life started from the early church was where you're a thermostat now. Swamp cooler or HVAC, doesn't matter. Or AC, whatever it's called. Doesn't matter. We have a light in us greater than anything in the world. And so when we walk into Albuquerque or any other place in the world, and it might be 85 degrees, what's inside you brings the temperature back to the kingdom. And that's how we need to view it. So... When you're a 
when you're geocentric, when you're centered around what's happening in your life and Jesus isn't your focus, your life's your focus, and you just add Jesus once in a while and you live half the time in offense and half the time happy and you know, it depends on the circumstance that you're going through, it's because you, you're gonna have that thermostat atmosphere. Oh, I can't believe this place. Oh, I can't believe that person. Oh, I can't believe. And you're really good at telling everyone what's wrong with them. You can see all their problems, all their weaknesses, everything that needs to change. You can pick, you can pick your spouse apart with every area. Oh, he doesn't clean and he doesn't know how to wash dishes and he doesn't. I mean, you can do it. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Sorry. It's just. You can. But you can like, seriously, you can like, you can like tear your spouse apart. Bam, bam, bam. I know exactly what they need. Why? Because you're focused on yourself. Man, when you're focused on Jesus, when you're absorbed with him, when, when he's your true Lord and Savior all the time, and you're no, you're no longer trying to pick up that old man again, that old woman again, whatever it is, you, you, you're going forward, you're saying, and, and, and you're saying, God, I love my spouse, I bless him or her, and, and help him. But your, your love increases, not your criticism. Because no longer are you a thermometer, you're a thermostat. You're changing atmospheres. You're not letting atmospheres change you. You're not getting into, 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 you're not looking for a fight. You're looking for change. You're not looking for problems. You're looking for solutions. You don't become a peace, you know, a keeper. Peacekeepers are horrible people. I mean, they, I, I love them. I'm not saying like the horrible people. They, they have horrible anxiety. It's a horrible life to be a peacekeeper. Are you okay? Okay. Are you okay? They're not okay that you're okay. You know, it's like every, they're, they're walking on eggshells trying to make everyone else okay. When a peacemaker doesn't make everyone else okay, they bring the kingdom, change the atmosphere. They make a difference. It's transcendent. It's beyond any conflict. It's, it's overcoming any obstacle. I wake up in the morning, and I mean, I'm not this way every day. I wish I was, but when I'm so centered on Jesus and who he is and when he just has my life, man, I wake up in the morning, I'm free as a bird. I can talk to anyone. I, I see got the fullest potential in people. I have love for people that I just, or it's not a, an earthly love, it's a godly love. And I have no agenda. I'm not trying to get people to, to come to my church. You know, one of the things about pastors is a lot of times they have an inf inferiority complex because it's like, you know, how many people are going to the church or uh, that, is the person leaving my church? And, and then you start getting territorial. So it's a weird thing that the enemy uses to kind of perverse our minds. But what's so freeing is when you are truly focused on who Jesus Christ is in your life, you're like, I love you. You go to Church of Christ? Come on. That's amazing. You love Jesus too? That's awesome. You don't love Jesus? Do you want to? He's amazing. You have all those problems? Hey, Jesus never said that you're... See, when you take Jesus as a supplement, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just shooting from the hip here, okay? But when you take Jesus as a supplement, you, you talk about all your problems and, 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 and start thinking about Jesus as, as, as someone who's supposed to not give you any problems. So, so for instance, say, some people come to me like, Paul, I know I, 
I mean, I, I'm trying Jesus and I have all these issues and I know that I'm not supposed to have any issues because I have Jesus. I'm like, what? Who lied to you? Jesus never said he's going to take away all your obstacles and you'll never have suffering and you'll never have pain in this world. What he did say is, I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So you can have a peace beyond any other peace in the midst of your suffering. That's the kingdom. That's the gospel. But that doesn't happen when you treat Jesus as a supplement. And the only way to start living our lives truly for him is to get into position of surrender. And saying, Jesus, I'm going to. I'm going to believe the baptism that I had where the old man had died, the old woman had died. And now I've come up just as we rose, just as Christ rose, we rose again with him in that baptism pool. And it's no longer I that live, but him that lives in me. This is the opportunity for us all to have. But if you want to carry around all the offenses of, and, and, and I also want to just have a little caveat here because Pastor Paul likes to have caveats. He likes to, look, I'm not talking about people who've experienced tremendous trauma or who are victims of a tremendous thing, okay? You, you, you still should walk through healing of that area. I'm not trying to delegitimize tragedy in your life, okay? Because there is suffering in this world. He's, he's with you in it. Isaiah 61, he's come to proclaim freedom to the prisoner and set the captives free. Prisoners are people in prison who believe that they, they committed offense, they deserve to be in prison. Captives are never in prison. They, they were held against their will. They, got, they were taken captive. The difference between a captive and a prisoner. A prisoner committed offense, they deserve that prison. Captive got taken captive by somebody. So what's amazing is whether you feel like you deserve to be in the mess you created or whether someone has taken you captive, someone, a trauma, an abuse, a thing happened against you, Jesus has come to set both free. It's powerful. This is the gospel, right? But if we treat Jesus solely as a supplement, anything someone says or does becomes an offense and a reason for you to leave. And I, you know, I... I'm so for apologizing on behalf of any church or Christian who offended people because if Christians don't have Jesus as their soul, Lord and Savior, and because we're also human and broken, we offend people. Sometimes we say things we shouldn't say. We do things we shouldn't do. We do things that aren't Christ-like. And so when I encounter people out there, I say, well, on, on behalf of the church and, and maybe some Christians, I, I just want to apologize because that was wrong what happened to you. And you're more than welcome to come back to Jesus and go to church. You don't have to go to my church. You can go to any church. I'll do that. I'll say that. But on the other hand, there's people who I'm like, they're like, oh, yeah, I was hurt by the church. I'm like, well, what happened? And they're like, the bathroom was closed for cleaning. And they told me I had to go to the other side of the church to go to the bathroom. And I needed to go. I mean, it was like something so, I'm like, hmm. I mean, I'm being facetious here, but it's just, I'm like, well, you must have been treating Jesus as your supplement at that point. Because that offense should never take ruling your heart. Even if that person really offended you, you just gotta say, God, I forgive him because you forgave me. 
This is, this is the Bible. Freely we've received. Freely we give. We forgive much because we were forgiven of much. Why don't you stand? all these other notes because my brain has been a bit jet lagged I'll say thank you thank you see Judas existed for Judas's purposes it's the one thing I want to say for my notes and so when he saw that Jesus wasn't fulfilling Judas's purposes it offended his heart gave him an opportunity to betray Jesus We don't, we, Jesus doesn't exist for our agenda. And once we get through that, it's the hardest thing to get through. It's the hardest thing to, if you were sold on, Jesus will give you a lot of money and you will have no obstacles in life and your life will never be a life of suffering and you accepted Jesus on those basis, I'm sorry, that's not the gospel. It will never fulfill. You can have abundance, you can have money. You know, like God does give abundance, it's, it's his to give. But, but the reality is, when we live for his agenda, we're never disappointed. So I'm just gonna pray for all of us this morning. If you wanna join in that prayer, feel free to close your eyes, bow your heads, not because it's something you have to do, bowing your heads and closing your eyes aren't, you know, isn't, a formula. It's just so that we can focus on what God's doing. So Lord, I just pray for us this morning, myself included, to help us live a life where you are continuously our Savior. Not that we would lose our salvation, but Lord, that we would have you as our Lord every day. And we wouldn't treat you as a supplement in our life, but we would walk in the faithfulness that you've called us to walk in. Lord, would you get us into position so that we can be used by you. We surrender every offense we've been carrying, God. We surrender it. We lay it down. Say, God, I was offended by this person, this thing, this thing, maybe even you, but Lord, I'm laying it down, not holding it against them anymore because you've forgiven me much, so I'm forgiving them much. And so I want to be free. I want to be free, Jesus. I want to wake up in the morning without an offendable heart. I want to be able to walk so free that everyone I see, I'm just have so much love for them. I want to, I want to be able to be able to help people, point people to you. And so God, I just give you my life. I give you my life again and again. I want you to be Lord of my life every day. And so Lord, I bless our community, our congregation. I bless those who are visiting us. Lord, I just pray that this word would stir in our heart, that it would be like a seed planted and that no thorn would be able to choke it out, that it would go so deep that no bird could peck it away, no sun could scorch it up. Lord, as your word says, may it be planted in good soil and may it blossom and bear much fruit. Lord, I bless everyone, and I can't wait to see them next week and throughout the week. 
Lord, I just pray also one other thing, that you would help us be a community that love one another well, and that we would not be isolated people who just come and spectate, but we would constantly getting involved in each other's lives. And it's not a burden to do that because you're our Savior and Lord, and we just love to do it. And so I just bless you, bless what you're doing, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for coming this morning. So good to see you. You're amazing. You're all amazing. Um, if, if anyone needs prayer for anything, we have a ministry team here. I just invite the ministry team to come up and uh, we'd love to pray for you. Um, other than that, have a great weekend and we will see you next week.